Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to save you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach you and put it all in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. All right, here's the way this market works. Something will be happening for weeks or even months on end, but most investors pay no attention whatsoever. By the time it dawns on them that something big is going on and they finally take action, it's either really late or it's already over. I know that sounds harsh, but on a day where the Dow declined 191 points, SSB shed 0.70% and the Nasdaq tumbled 1.17%. I want to prove to you that this stock market actually isn't rigged against you. It's just that so many of the so-called experts are constantly leading you astray. Let's not waste your time. Classic example, oil and gas. For more than a month, oil's been rallying like crazy. In the last six weeks, West Texas crude has gone from $67 to $84. But it's only today that I'm hearing that the oil stocks could be very interesting to buy. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that you're in the CNBC Investing Club. Our philosophy is to look for situations where stocks don't reflect the value of the companies underneath. Remember, these are companies. We bought a bunch of oil stocks for the charitable trust when things were nasty and ugly. And it hurt for a while, but then oil and gas started coming back. We've been waiting patiently for Wall Street to notice. It's been a tremendous under-the-radar run we've experienced because almost nobody wanted to acknowledge it was happening. I don't know anyone liked the oils. Today, though, seemingly out of nowhere, I must have heard at least maybe read a half dozen pieces arguing that now it's time. Now's the time to buy the oil stocks because they're so attractive. Bye, 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 bye. To which I say, are you kidding? Sell, sell, sell. The oils were attractive six weeks ago. They're much less enticing now. These stocks were riding like mad during the whole month of July. It's just that nobody of alleged import seemed to know it. So what do you do when everybody suddenly jumps on the bandwagon of a story you've known for a long time? Well, it is pretty obvious, isn't it? Sell, 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 sell. See, but I know that probably sounds counterintuitive. Maybe you bought an oil stock or an oil ETF today thanks to all this buzz. If that's the case, you might have bought some Halliburton from my charitable trust because we decided to sell some into strength. We choose to sell, not buy into enthusiasm because we own too much oil and gas and we like to sell into enthusiasm. Much of our stuff was purchased at much lower prices when nobody liked them. If the stocks keep roaring, the trust will keep selling because this is the perfect moment to ka-ching, ka-ching. I point all this because why? 
Well, I think a lot of people are misled whenever they hear about what seems like a brand new thesis. In reality, the oil thesis is far from new. You might not be be late if you bought a great oil service stock today like Halliburton, but you certainly ain't early, are you? More important, you're coming in after the easy money has already been made. We don't want this to happen on man money. Yet so many people do it. They buy after a big move, and they often end up coming in right at the top, which then sours them the entire asset class, and they think it's rigged against them. This happens all the time. Today, classic, Jeffries, good firm, decides to upgrade Eli Lilly, in part because of the success it's having with that Munjaro, the revolutionary new drug that checks diabetes and causes you to lose about 20% of your body weight. So today, today, today upgrades it. Today recommends a stock. Today, after a 43% rally, including yesterday's spectacular 15% spike, one of the largest single-day moves I've ever seen of a large-cap stock. That is so wrong, it is ridiculous. nothing! You had to buy Lily before we got to Fabulous Results, not after. How could you have known to, to, to buy it ahead of time? Well, we certainly knew. We talked about it every day here. I've been telling you this Manjaro could be the best-selling drug in history for ages. To upgrade the stock today, it's almost farcical. Ah, uh, but you say, Kramer, you still like Lily. What's wrong with recommending it now? Simple. The timing. The timing is wrong. Remember, I'm always trying to teach you how to identify great companies and then buy their stocks at the right price. You don't buy the stock of Lily here. Stock jumped nearly 15% yesterday, for heaven's sake. At this point, you got to wait for a pullback or you just got to say, I missed it. Because if you chase a stock after such a tremendous move, you're likely to come in near the top, which will make you feel like the whole business again is rigged against you. But the business is not rigged. It's just full of momentum chasers who tend to give bad advice. Don't listen to them. You need to increase the odds that you won't be hurt by the hype. Let me give you another example. Very good analyst from Roth MKM just came out with a note saying that STZ, Constellation Branch, you know of Corona Medell, doing well, in part because it's been a, a, a huge beneficiary of the problems of Bud Light. Hmm. I mean, like, no kidding. Constellation's only rallied some 50 points since the Bud Light backlash started hurting sales. Medell especially has been the best-selling beer in America since May. We devoted a whole segment to it over a month ago. Now, of course, if you didn't know the story, you might read this piece. By the way, the guys like the stock the whole time. I'm not picking on this one. Uh, you, you, you might buy the stock today, though, because you read the piece. Now, I'd much rather actually sell Constellation up here. It's not necessarily too late, but a huge move has already been made. It's nowhere near the optimal time to buy the stock. We're not telling people in the trust to buy it here. One more Celsius. We drink this stuff all the time. You probably see why I'm doing it, why I'm talking about it this fast. It's Celsius. We last had the CEO of Celsius on the show May 13th. Stock was at 133. I think he told an amazing story. I said it on air. I said, wow, smoking. Today, with the stock up 29 points in a single session, closing at 172 and change. Now I heard everybody was excited about Celsius. They discovered it. They want to buy it now. Great. Me? No way. When I see this kind of move, I want to wait for a better opportunity because the odds are good. It'll pull back before the next leg higher. And you want to play the odds. Now I want you to go back to last week. We had the legendary Larry Williams on the show, greatest in market historian I know. Larry told you to sell my beloved NVIDIA. He said nothing can go straight up like this stock. He said it even though he knows we own NVIDIA for the Travel Trust. I'm absolutely not a seller. This is an own it, don't trade it stock for me. But you know what? Larry and I can actually both be right at the same time. Because the right answer depends upon your time frame. Larry's going to be dead right short term. NVIDIA's been going down for the past couple of days. It's probably not done. He respected my positive long-term view, though, but had no illusions about the stock's parabolic move. Those are not sustainable. Right now, Larry's looking very right short-term, and that's what he cares about in this, in this instance. Longer-term, I think you're going to get a terrific entry point by NVIDIA. And that's how we both can be right. So I want you to think about all of this before you buy a stock. 
I need you to understand that you might be buying after a big move, which is usually a mistake. Do not buy momentum. Do not chase, bottom line. My goal is to get you to stop chasing stocks that have had huge runs. Because when they inevitably get hit, there's a very good chance you'll feel like the whole game is rigged and you'll give up on the entire asset class of stocks. And that is the worst mistake you can make. Let's go to Eric in Michigan. Eric. Jim, I want to talk about Rocket Mortgage today. Okay. That's a tough one. Go ahead. You got the floor. Go ahead. The stock is trading in the $11 range, which is near its 52-week high. Can you see this stock doubling in the next 24 months once the Fed starts cutting rates later next year or even in 2025? Okay, if the Fed starts cutting rates, this stock probably does go up another 50%. I, do, that, that, I mean that, 5-0. But I still think we're going to have a couple rate hikes because I think the economy is still smoking hot. Most people don't agree with me on that. So I probably am more negative, shorter term, than most people. But that's how i got to play it straight. straight. Michael in Massachusetts. Michael. Hi, Jim. Uh, great to talk to you. Long-time listener and watcher of your show. Oh, thank you, buddy. Um, I I was watching and looking into Broadcom in May, and then, as we know, it had a very quick run-up, and I didn't want to chase it. And I'm wondering how much of a pullback it could possibly have here before I, like, jump in and I want to acquire a small position of them. First of all, I like Broadcom very much. It is down 70 from the high. Now, it's going down with NVIDIA because there's a story that NVIDIA can't make all the product that is needed. That's what's driving that down. This is joined at the hip with NVIDIA. It had a very big spike up. To me, I look at it. It only yields two now. Big buyback. I, I pay. You know what I do? I pay 800 for it. I would not start here at 850. Let it come in. Let it come in. That's the best way to play it. All right. Look, no matter what I do, I'm never going to stop. This, I tell you, is my theme for the year. The rest of the year, the market is not rigged against you. It's just filled with momentum chasers who give you bad advice. Listening to them and giving up on stocks entirely because you've lost money could be the worst mistake you can make. All mad money tonight, one that I like, Kellogg, right at the bottom. On track to split into snacky and cereal business by year end. Don't give up on that one. What do investors know what to do? I got the whole plan here. I'm getting the details from the CEO. Then Penn Entertainment just penned a $1.5 billion deal with ESPN, bringing the sports broadcaster's brand into the gambling arena. Let's go. Let's find out all about that. And Dana makes all sorts of components for everything from passenger cars to those big rigs. And after running nicely, maybe it's time to buy this pullback. Mad Money's back. Stay tuned. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. 
Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreated in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last summer, we learned that Kellogg, iconic, plans to spin off its slower-growing but still very lucrative North American cereal division from its faster-growing snack food business. It's Pringles, Cheez-Its, Family Fave, Pop-Tarts, among others. People who own the snack food business will still own Letter K, and they'll also own KLG, the traditional cereal business right on top of it. We've got the brands. You know them, though. Virtually, Wall Street seemed to love the idea, with Kellogg's stock rallying to a five-year high. But over the past nine months, the packaged food court went out of style at the Wall Street fashion show. You know, suddenly people wanted these stocks. They didn't want recession stocks. They wanted to figure the economy was going to get strong, so they sold it. And that's the main reason why Kellogg hit a new 52-week low earlier today. Even though the company reported a solid quarter last week and raised its full-year forecast substantially, I think this is a terrific moment for the most iconic food companies. They've been able to maintain high prices even as their costs have come down because they've got great brands. Kellogg shareholders in particular should benefit from this planned breakup. Uh, and I think it's terrific, but Wall Street's not interested right now. Earlier today, Kellogg tried to change that, held an investor event right here in New York Stock Exchange, where management explained the pending breakup in great detail. I love the detail. It's all transparent. What's their pitch? Let's take a closer look with Steve Kaley. Now, Steve is the chairman and CEO of Kellogg. I think he's going to tell you a pretty great story. Steve, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Jim. Good to be here. Okay. I am looking at brands that if I had to recreate, I know it cost a fortune. I'm looking at brands that if you broke them up individually, you get an incredible value, some of the parts. And yet people don't seem to get it. I'm going to give you the floor because we are at the ground floor of what I think is something everyone has in their pantry. Yeah, well, delighted to be here. I mean, these are great brands. And as you said, to create them now, it would be impossible. And we talk about these brands as being differentiated. So think Pringles, right? It owns the can. It owns the pop. Mr. P. There's only one Pringles. Cheese it, you know, real cheese, real attitude. Absolutely loved by people all through this country. And it really hasn't expanded outside the U.S. Rice Krispies treats, Pop-Tarts. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld does a bit about Pop-Tarts. I mean, it's iconic. It is absolutely famous. These are world-class brands that aren't really recognized as part of a snacking business. Hence the idea that, you know, perhaps setting these free and also setting the North American cereal business free to be a cereal business was a way to unlock real value for a share owner. Well, we have seen this time and again, the cereal people 
will be free to come up with, and use their imagination to come up with all new laser-focused cereal. The snack people might have lots up their sleeve, maybe even making some tuck acquisitions. But one of these people are going to say is, wait a sec, I got that great dividend. Where is that going? So the dividend remains the same. And we talked about that today. If you own Kellogg shares today, on the spin date, you're going to own two companies. You're going to continue to own K, which will be called Kellanova. You'll own KLG, which is the, the cereal business. And your cash dividend that you get on a quarter, your quarterly checks will remain exactly the same whole. So between the two companies, they'll both play, pay dividends. They'll be equal to the current dividend. Well, now someone might say, well, I don't want to pay taxes on that. But that's something you've taken care of. Yeah, because when you receive the new KLG shares, it's a tax-free spin, so it's a tax-free dividend. There's no tax consequences to our shinners. There's nothing to fear if you own Kellogg stock today. You're just going to own uh, two great companies on the, on the spin date. Now, you did say that one company, the cereal company, may not have uh, growth, but the snack food will. Now, I have to tell you, you know cereal better than I do. But the idea that they can grow this because they will be laser focused on how to grow. And like we saw this, for instance, crazy things like when Raytheon United Technologies split up, Otis was bad. Suddenly Otis is great. Why? Because the CEO, Judy Marsh, said, I've got all these ideas that I've never been able to concentrate on. Same thing could happen to cereal. Same thing absolutely could happen to cereal. And I think it will. I have great confidence in this team. Now, they stood up in front of investors today and said, we actually don't have to grow. We've got margin opportunities. We've got all sorts of opportunities to improve the health of this business. And they gave very, very prudent guidance about what to expect in the category, what to expect from themselves. I think they have every right to over-deliver against that. So anybody who's looking and saying, well, wait, they didn't show me a company that could be a high-growth company, I think was prudent and absolutely the right thing to do. Now, Kellanova, now some people might say, wait a second, where'd that come from? We'll get that in a second. But the fact is, we've become a snacking country. I mean, people did not come to work like we thought they would after the pandemic. Many people stay at home, and they can't resist... It can't resist these brands. So tell us about how you came up with Kellanova and what you see from the snack food business post-COVID. So Kellanova was, you know, very carefully chosen. Okay. We wanted the iconic K to remain. We wanted the beginning to re- represent our past. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mr. Kellogg himself. Right. And then Anova, a new beginning. Really as simple as that. So harkens back to our 117-year heritage, but clearly points towards the future. And the future for us is snacking and emerging markets. 80% of our business will be in snacking and emerging markets. Those are really exciting places to be. I mean, emerging markets, they're still super exciting with growing populations, forming middle classes, and we've got great snack brands that we sell inside those markets. Okay, so uh, you've got something like cheese, which is... People love cheese. Are we going to see expansion? Can we see more aisle space for your company when we go to the supermarket? You absolutely should, Jim. I mean, we've we've launched Cheese It Snapped. We've launched Cheese It Puffed. One of my favorites is still Cheese It Groove. So it shows it's a platform, it's a brand that can carry additional innovations. And those innovations, when you're growing a brand, they shouldn't come from your own space. They should expand that space so we can main, maintain in-stock positions for our retailers, for our customers, for our consumers. We're really excited about what that brand can do going forward. Oh, okay, so we got a, a low $60 stock. What are some people, I invited the journal today, they're very critical, but I have to imagine firms that know how to sell brands and do brands are saying that the some 
of the parts here substantially in excess of what the stock's selling for. Yeah, so it's interesting. The only two things I saw really quickly on my okay. phone running down here was the Wall Street uh, piece. And I think respectfully, there, you know, we didn't set out to say the North American cereal business is going to be this giant, fast-growth right. company. So I think that misses the point. The other thing I saw real quickly was the Goldman Sachs uh, report on the sum of the parts after all the information we released this morning in the in the press release, and he got to a $95 sum of the parts. $95. You know, so I'm not here to now. say we should be 95, we should be 64, but I think the industrial logic of what we're doing here is quite compelling. In fact, I think it's inescapable. And so these brands that are high-growing, fast-growing snacks brands and this emerging markets business, I think is a fantastic investment opportunity for, for everybody. And to make it clear, a really great brand should mean that if your costs go up, you can raise the price and people don't stop eating them. I have to imagine these are the brands that are unstoppable. You had to get supply problems all understood. You had to raise price all understood. And people did not say, you know what, I am going to trade down. I want special L. They didn't say that. They stuck with special K. They didn't. I mean, a brand is a promise and a great brand is a promise delivered. And we stuck by our consumers. You know, prices went through the roof. We worked hard on productivity, on pack sizes, on everything to maintain affordability because people love Pringles. They love cheese. They love Rice Krispies treats. They have very low private label penetration because people like these. And so we, we work very, very hard to remain affordable. And, you know, people have stuck by our brands. They've well, stuck with them. This is exactly what I said at the top of the show. You need to hear, but the idea is you buy them when they don't want them. Great brands last. They last, and they always will. We know these from when we were three and four and five years old, and they are just as strong. That is Steve Kaolane, Kellogg Company Chairman and CEO. And I've got to tell you, you are getting an opportunity to literally buy something at a low that is worth, you heard it from Goldman Sachs, and they know this business, $95. And you know the business. Thanks for coming Great on. Great being with you, Jim. Good to Thank you. Everybody's back in for the break. Coming up. A casino in your pocket? It's game on when Penn National joins Kramer. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.
Well, here's the story everybody's talking about. Big shakeup in the gambling space announced last night. Penn Entertainment announced that it was parting ways with Barstool Sports. It's partnering the online sportsbook space and instead joining hands with Disney's ESPN and rebranding its digital sportsbook platform as ESPN Bet, something that will launch this fall. Penn's paying a lot of money to Disney, $1.5 billion over 10 years. That's $150 million a year for the rights to use that, fam- that really famous ESPN brand. Along with warrants, it could be worth 70% of the company if everything works out. Could be a nice catalyst for Disney, too. We own that for the Chapel Trust. Reported okay numbers tonight. But what does it mean for Penn? and for the sports betting space as a whole. No better way to get to the bottom of things than to go right to the person who knows the space better than anyone, which is our own contestant, Brewer. Okay, she's here with Jay Snowden, who's the president and CEO of Penn Entertainment. Mr. Snowden, welcome back to Mad Money. Contessa, I'm giving you a floor to start things off. All right, well, first off, you have some high aspirations because you think you could make between half a billion in adjusted EBITDA, that's the crucial earnings metric in the gaming space, and maybe as much as a billion in EBITDA, depending on market share. How do you get there? Well, look, I think PASPA, which was the law that banned sports betting in the U.S., was overturned five years ago. So we know a lot more as an industry today than we did two years ago or four years ago about what that recipe for success looks like. And if you look at the continued consolidation of market share with the top two players, there is a recipe there. And that recipe is you've got to have a sports brand that reaches the masses, You have to have access to a fantasy database, fantasy players that convert very well to real money sports betting. And you have to have fantastic technology and products. And you have to be able to iterate and innovate and do things that others aren't doing. I think we check all three of those boxes when you put ESPN and Penn together. We just migrated our own technology stack from Ontario, Canada, back to the US last month. We're now live, not just in Ontario, but across 16 states here with our own products, which we acquired through the SCORE acquisition a couple of years ago. And the last piece that gets me really excited is that the piece we have that no one else has is it's ESPN, it's exclusive, and all of the media integration opportunities and access to talent and shows and the ESPN app, people that are just going in to check on scores and stats, and now you can also be placing bets and putting together a bet slip all at the same place over time. Okay, so let's talk about that, because as a fantasy player since 1977, so I really go far back, one of the first, because I did work for Inside Sports, what is exciting to me is that I put my team, we have the Mad Money team, we're on the ESPN page, but then I go, if I want to do DFS, I, I can't I go to DraftKings, because, and I toggle back and forth and toggle back and forth. Are you telling me that I no longer have to toggle? I can have all on the same page because I got my fantasy players and then I have my DFS players and I don't want to toggle. I just want one page. Can that be you? <laughs> At some point, yes. We're, we're not completely in the DFS game yet, meaning ESPN and this partnership. Right. Season-long fantasy, absolutely yes. And what you will be able to do from season-long fantasy access when you're managing your team and trading and figuring out who's on the waiver wire is when you're there, be able to seamlessly, after we launch, right get over to bet on the real game or real player props or parlays from the ESPN mobile app. That's what you're going to be able to do in the short term through a link out, longer term, full integration, populate your bet slip. Okay, now let, let me talk about the deal for a second that you're no longer part of, Barstool. Now, we had you on with Portnoy when it started. Uh, he's electric. He's exciting. I still follow him on, I always follow him on, on X. You know, yes. I don't I use their term. It, this deal did not work out, Jay. And it cost a lot of money for you. Could you not 
get more money for Barstool? Did you hire a banker? I mean, it just seems like it just kind of went away. And like him or hate him, he's exciting. Yeah. Here's the way I think about it is that I think it's become very apparent over the course of the last year, year and a half, that there's really one natural owner long term for Barstool Sports. Same thing for the Kramer show, (laughs) which is that person. And Dave Portnoy is the only natural owner for Barstool Sports long term. I also think that today, last night's news, along with today's news and the follow up and all the presentations, it's very clear that this was a win for Barstool and Barstool fans, Stoolies. This was a win for Penn as we move forward with a very exciting partnership. It was a win for ESPN because they have been really focused on finding a partner that has great products, that has great people, and is willing to work with them on a launch of ESPN Bet, branded, exclusive. And so this is a, this is and, a win, win, win. And they've made the rounds. Like the ESPN has been with FanDuel. ESPN has been with DraftKings. My sources tell me that it's not through lack of sitting down for these meetings. But the, your competitors, Jay, told me, I, I have multiple sources on this, that they just couldn't make the numbers work. But for you, and, and I heard it on the call today, you're on the earnings call, and it's clear you think the strategy of media as marketing works, but that you needed a different partner. So what did you learn from Barstool that will change the way that you approach this business moving forward? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would, would sort of couch it the way of what did you learn from that to make this. I am a believer in integrated media. We are doing this, by the way, in Ontario with the score and the score bet fully integrated. And we've been double digit market share players there in what is the most competitive market in North America with over 70 operators. So we know that this works. What we would also say, though, and I think Dave was very clear about this on his emergency press conference last night, that Oh, just a, it, 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 that was emergency. That was, yes, emergency. That was a big one. It was one of the more fun press conferences yeah. I've ever been going. I'm sorry. On the scale of emergencies, <laughs> that one was pretty high. I like that. I like it. And Dave was very clear that he would say, and I would say, we would all say, you would say, tracking this relationship over time, they're not a company and a brand. I think we all came to this conclusion that should be owned by a publicly traded, highly regulated, licensed gaming company. So I would also say that we had a lot of early success in our launches with Pennsylvania and Michigan. The first two states that we launched in, we were up 10 plus percent market share. But what we found was that we had a product that quickly became outdated because we were relying on third party technology, third party platform. That's when we made our acquisition of the score. But you don't just flip the switch overnight. It took us a year and change to go live in Ontario. And it took us almost two full years to get that migration done in the US. So you got to have great product. Now, to Barstool's defense, amazing partners. We didn't spend in the last year and a half marketing dollars promoting Barstool Sportsbook other than just the organic within Barstool ecosystem because we didn't have a product that we felt was strong enough to retain. Okay. We now have that. So this is great for Dave and, and Stooley Nation and Dan and Erica and team. Great for Penn and ESPN as we move forward. And everybody's looking forward into the future and feeling really good about what happened last night and today. Okay, so back to the app. So you're going to have this ESPN app. One, are you going to relabel the retail sports books that are now Barstool sports books in the casinos? Yeah, so there'll be a process. Uh, we have a period of transition services that uh, Dave and Barstool and Erica and Dan and team can utilize us for as we transition that business back to them and vice versa. We'll still utilize the Barstool sports book brands 
during this period of time as we work to transition both the, the online product to ESPN Bet in November and then the land-based retail sports books. We have to go through a process. Understandably, ESPN's a huge branding company. They want to visit the casinos and the different markets and geographies and determine if ESPN Bet retail sportsbook makes sense in one or all of the casinos where we currently have Barstool Sportsbooks. Okay, you know, Jay, I've got to tell you, I was watching Contessa's excellent interview with FanDuel. Okay, that was fantastic. Thank Fan, you. FanDuel's a power, okay? I know Jason Robbins, DraftKings, I work for them, a power. These people are really big and they've got great market share. How, even with Disney, can you possibly take them on without spending fortunes? Yeah, well, I think there's really two things. I mentioned earlier, you've got to be able to check those boxes of right brand, right reach to the masses. You have to have an absolutely top of the line product capability. You have to have access to a fantasy database. We now have that with ESPN and we have an exclusive relationship with them. So there's no longer them trying to please multiple people. This is their brand. This but, is a- they, but DraftKings advertises and there's no sense. That, we don't know that DraftKings is not going to advertise on Disney. I, I'm not going to talk for ESPN in terms of what they take in for advertising dollars with our competitors. But when you're thinking about what the integration work is within the digital assets and the linear assets and in-game, the promoting of sports betting is going to be 100% ESPN bet. It would only be in between halftime and the second half kickoff commercial type. And we have some of that with them as well as part of the $150 million per year. So we get a little bit of everything. And Jim mentioned at the top that Disney has this uh, ability to go in and buy warrants, stock warrants, buy stock in Penn. Does that mean if they get over a certain level, if they do make it to 17%, what happens with the regulatory uh, licensing? Because most states, you have to be licensed if you own more than 5% of a gambling company. You, you raise a very important point here in terms of why we believe this partnership is built to last. It's a 10-year deal. You mentioned mm-hmm. that at the beginning of the show, Jim. It, it not only includes cash outlay, it includes warrants, Contessa, as you mentioned, a great scenario for everybody because we have bonus threshold warrants that are issued at 20% above market share. I'm not here predicting that's going to happen in year one or year But if you're hitting those levels, that's a good problem to have. And so to answer your question, there's a lot of variables that go into what triggers licensing for an owner at a certain percentage. But those are those going to be shares? Are they going to be cash settled shares? Um, what is the market share? What is the dilution? There's all of these factors that go into the reality is the better that ESPN bet does, the stronger the performance and value creation is going to be for Penn shareholders. And it's good. We'll, fi- we'll figure the rest out. And there's a variety of ways that you can figure out whether you get licensed or if you want to structure this in a way where it's maybe more cash settled versus ownership of actual stock. Well, it's a clean deal in the end. It'll be a clean deal in the end. Okay, that's Jay Snowden, president and CEO of its Penn Entertainment now. And our own Contessa Brewer. Thank you both. Man, I'm going to be back here for the break. Coming up, they put the power in powertrain. Can Dana help drive your portfolio forward? Keep it here. Over two months ago, we collectively suddenly realized that a recession was likely off the table. And since then, the economically sensitive stocks, the so-called cyclicals, have been roaring higher. Take Dana Incorporated, 
which makes propulsion and energy management systems for vehicles and other machines. Think transmissions, gearboxes, specialized axles. No one else is making these, believe me, and many more components. After spending a couple years lost in the wilderness thanks to the auto supply chain woes that everybody had, recession fears, Dana's stock has shot up roughly 37% just since the end of May. A week and a half ago, the cut reported a great quarter, solidly better than expected revenue, massive 20 cent earnings beat off 17 cent basis, while management raised their full year guidance across the board. But the stock barely budged. In fact, it's down 6% since the quarter. Uh, although I think that's largely because it had already run up so much going into earnings. That does happen. Don't take it from me, though. Let's check in with Jim Kamsiskis. He is the chairman and CEO of Dane Incorporated to get a better read of the situation. Mr. Kamsiskis, welcome to Mad Money. Well, thank you. Good thank to, you for the privilege of your time. time. Thank now, you. Now, when people look at Dana, they may think that it makes auto parts. Yeah. The fact is, I more associate you with machinery and with trucks and with electrification yeah. because that's the future. It is. It is. Thanks, Jim, for having me. Uh, it is what, you know, a light vehicle, as we call it, is certainly a core piece of our business right. in the truck business only. We do large SUV and trucks only, but in the commercial vehicle, it's medium duty. It's uh, class eight, vocational, cement mixers, you name it. And then an off highway, it's agriculture, it's construction, it's underground mining, it's material handling. And the benefit for us is, is all our technologies, they're pretty much interchangeable across markets, across um, geographies, so on and so forth. So a lot of people maybe don't associate it with us, but it's a very core and important part of our business. Now, it's very key, very crucial to understand that a lot of companies that are in the vehicle business have no real expertise in what you do and would rather have you do it than them do it. Yeah, I mean, history would tell us that they do some of everything we do right. to a degree, but at the end of the day, they, to be able to scale scale across, we're very committed to technology, we're very committed to global footprint, we're very committed to relationships with customers, and they come to us and say, hey, look, we can't do everything for everybody, just like we can as a company, and we selectively look for the right pockets, and traditionally, you know, large truck and, and commercial truck and off-highway off is a perfect fit. Hey, take this, run with us, let's go sell a bunch of vehicles together, and that's what we do. Well, it's also clear that let's say I'm one of these manufacturers and I say, look, I have internal combustion engine, but I really want to be also in electronic vehicles. That's where we're yeah. going. You're agnostic. Yeah, I was super proud of it. You know, in 2016, there's a lot of people that may not have bet on it, but I can tell you we were all in. We saw it because there were pull-through markets that were happening then, right? Bus market, regional or geographical markets such as China, all kinds of places were already there, and you could see the fundamentals behind it. So we said, look, we are not going to be, you know, kind of a melting iceberg here. We are going to see this opportunity. Yeah, axles are going to stay around forever, no doubt about it. But here's an opportunity for Dana to do really three times content per vehicle because now we have complete in-house motors, inverters, and then the thermal management that surrounds it, which is very core in electrification. So frankly, no matter which customer in any of those own mar in markets you and I just talked about, no matter what they come from, we can give that full system capability and let's go. We'll get it done. Now, I see a company that's triumphed over a lot of different supply chains, semiconductors really got yeah. there. And yet now I'm listening to this fellow who runs the UAW and he's using kind of fiery rhetoric that tells me that he seems to believe that his Team wants to strike, okay, September 14th. Now, we don't know. Anything can happen. Uh, they want a lot of money from the auto companies. But how impacted would you be if the auto companies got hit by a UAW strike? Yeah, I mean, anybody's going to be impacted if you sell to them. But I guess amongst many things in our business model that we've already talked about is when you isolate that down, that's the United States of America. 
that's just the light vehicle business. You know, we're almost an $11 billion company right now, and we're sped across all these end markets, all these geographies, so on and so forth. So it's significantly less than 50%. We can tell you that much. All right. I've got to ask you this because it's the biggest polluter in the world. What do, you, do you think it's possible that we're going to have hydrogen trucks? And would you be play a role in trying to make it so trucks aren't so dirty? Uh, I, I am bullish. I am bullish on hydrogen trucks. I, again, I can see by your look that maybe that's a little bit surprising. No, I'm, but no, we, no, because Wendy tells us it could happen. They're the biggest. Who knows, right? For sure. I mean, the, all these greens, you've got to keep your kind of your toe in the water on all the new green technologies to make sure that you're ready. But the most important thing for us, but getting back to that, no matter if it's green hydrogen, if it's electrification battery, our propulsion systems, they fit with all of them. They all interconnect. It does not matter. However, more specific to your question, will we participate in that? We actually do hydrogen fuel cell plates, which go inside the membranes of plates for commercial vehicles, and we'll be ramping up volume pretty significantly in the back half of this year. So you can see what we've done is we've re-engineered the company. The people in the company that used to do sealing and gaskets and thermal management said, wait a minute, that's the same skill set you need to do hydrogen fuel cells. Why wouldn't we go address that market? Well, I think, look, you're way ahead. I think well, the only my fear is that you're way ahead of the industry. But I also know you're exactly where you have to be, particularly with the regulation worldwide. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is a very exciting time to work at Dane. And I'm really glad you came on because we're getting that, that great quarter for free because the stocks come down. Yeah. And yet I see great things for what your company's well, doing. Well, thank you so much. We're, Absolutely. We're proud to be here. I mean, you should be. Okay, that's Jim Kim Siskis. He's the chairman and CEO of Dana. It's a real easy symbol. It's Dan. Bad Money's back into the break. There thank you. Go. Thank you. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round, next. It is time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy, time for the lightning round. Here's another start with Michelle in New Jersey. Michelle. Hello, Jim. I'm calling you from beautiful Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Oh, LBI. Who doesn't love LBI? A couple of a couple of buds. LBI. Good. Let's up. <laughs> uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Uh, Jim, I currently have a small position in Medtronic stock, and I was interested in your guidance. I want you on to keep it I small should... because the one we're buying is GE Healthcare because we want to be in the MRI business, okay? Medtronic, no. GE Healthcare, yes. Let's go to Cynthia in Kentucky. Cynthia. Hey, Jim. First Cynthia. time caller and club member. Yes. That's what I want to hear. Lily, right? Go ahead. What's up? On the fact, the financials look good, the earnings call sounded good, and I like what the CEO said on the call. What are your thoughts on PEG? I pay them every month. That's my first thought. Uh, look, it's got a good yield. It's a very solid company. But you know what? I'm switching over to the pipeline companies. I think you should go get the double the yield with the Enbridge, E-N-B. Keep paying PEG. Take the Enbridge dividend to pay the PEG. Let's go to Reagan in Washington. Reagan. Hey, Jim, I wanted to ask you about the electric car company, Fisker. What you think of them? I was doing the Reagan stuff there. Fisker, no, that's a, no, that's more of a charity. We're, we're, into, we're, we're into the stock game. What's up? Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking oh, the call. Fantastic. What's going I a, on? <laughs> I have a small position in AdTran Holdings, and I wanted your opinion on the stock ticker. Oh, I'm not a fan. Not a fan of AdTran. Losing a lot of money. 
Voice and data. I got so many voice and data companies, I'm like done with voice and data. With both of them. Let's go to Ben in Florida. Ben. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. This is Ben. I uh, have a um, question on Marvell and uh, I own Marvell and AMD, both without money. Okay, well, money. they're both going to be going down and- right now. Remember, that group is under consolidation. Now, Marvell did very well. It was related to uh, some things that, that Matt Murphy said about NVIDIA. And the problem is NVIDIA is going lower. We heard that from Larry Williams last week, and we know it's a parabolic move. It can go down. So I want to be careful here. I am not going to tell you to buy Marvell at 60 when I think you can get it at 54, 55. It's exactly where it was when it reported. We're going to Joe in Ohio. Joe. Booyah, Jim. How you doing? Oh, the chill man is hanging in there. How about you? Good, good, good. Just love love your show. Watch oh, Squawk you. on the um, TV funny every guy. morning. Jim, they, they uh, actually just, hates uh, me. I'm love what you're doing. Thank you. I own uh, Consolidated Edison. And okay, Con Ed is great stuff. We've liked Con Ed since the show started. It's probably been about a double. But it only yields about 3.5 here. I'm having people pivot to Enbridge with the 7%. I just feel like we get that 7% yield, that stock goes higher, and then we can look all we want when it comes to Con Ed. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's the conclusion. No! I got another! I can take Teresa in New York! Teresa! Hi, Jim. Longtime fan. First time caller. Uh, my question is on Oracle. I'm down. Should I sell you, it or buy no, more? Are you kidding me? You buy more. It's in the bullpen. Jeff and I have been talking about buying Oracle. Look at this. Will you put the Oracle back up again? What the heck? Well, you, right here is good. Okay, look at this. Look at this. It reports a great quarter, okay? And then it's just been going down. Right here is when you start buying Oracle. Right here. 113, 112, 111, 110. Whoa, come on, give me a shot here. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, as a market, we keep getting oil wrong. Kramer has the secret sauce to make the barrels work for you. Next. It's time to stop writing off oil and gas. I keep reading about how we're going all in on electrical vehicles in this country, so fossil fuels are guaranteed losers. I think these stories ignore reality. And I don't just mean the reality of oil soaring from $67 to $84 a barrel in roughly six weeks. Although that's pretty telling, isn't it? There's a lot of wishful thinking when it comes to the energy market. Starting right from the top of President Biden, relentless push for renewables, then extending to most of the companies that have pledged to be carbon neutral, typically by 2050, some of them by 2030. Very noble. And I'm actually not being sarcastic. I am so glad so many powerful people want to save this planet. Let's get it done. But we're not going to get there simply by embracing electric vehicles. Right now, they're too expensive to make and getting harder to sell, especially when Elon Musk's non-union Tesla's out there doing its best to keep prices low in order to drive out the competition. More importantly, there's something else happening that makes me think that oil and gas may have a lot more staying power than we give them credit for. We're seeing a subtle backlash against actual electric vehicles. These cars and trucks aren't selling as well as the regular automakers thought. Ford, for example, has been talking about good demand for the F-150 Lightning, their battery-powered pickup truck, really cool truck. But at the same time, Ford's had to cut price to move them, which calls the level of demand into question. Yesterday, Rivian put up some decent numbers. They see a clear line of sight to profitability. But then almost in the same breath, Rivian talks about needing to raise capital in 2025. You don't need to raise capital if things are going great. As for the smaller players, Fisker, Lucid, geez, not a factor. Cool, but not a factor. When you look at the numbers, 
It's the internal combustion engine that's been the real winner this quarter. In fact, just going over Ford's book of business, you have to conclude that the internal combustion engine is the key to their profitability goals, while the electric vehicle business is the nemesis of profitability. What does it all mean? Simple. The expectation of unlimited demand for electric vehicles is now out the window. Maybe it's the lack of charging stations leading to range anxiety because you never know exactly when you'll be able to recharge when you take a long drive. It's a real issue, especially for small businesses that can't afford to miss an appointment. Not something you ever need to worry about if your car runs on gasoline or diesel. Maybe it's the higher price tags. Maybe it's the sense that the novelty has worn off. We know trucks certainly aren't changing those types of clean energy anytime soon, in large part because that's not really viable without hydrogen fuel cells, and the technology for hydrogen is just not there yet, although I liked what Dana said about hydrogen, but too early for mass adoption. Now, I know there are macro factors driving oil higher, Saudi cutbacks, Russian production bottlenecks, no more recession fears here in the U.S., but in the end, I think it's much of this oil rally is psychological. Without the threat of electric vehicles taking over the highways, it's much easier for the price of crude to keep climbing. Natural gas has also been suppressed by sentiment. Now it's going higher, too, way higher. I believe the oil and gas stocks are fine. But you know what? At this point, what's a better bet? Those pipeline operators I keep bringing to you. Think Enbridge, which we had on the show Monday, or One Oak, which is buying Magellan Midstream. We spoke to them last night. Enbridge yields slightly more than 7%. Uh, One Oak yields almost 6%. These are extraordinary bargains, if you agree with my thesis that I just laid out, about the psychology that's turning against the belief in the inevitability of electric vehicles for all. Now, it's not good if you're worried about rising sea levels, but realistically, the internal combustion end is here to stay which is why I'd rather bet on pipeline infrastructure than charging station infrastructure, especially when the pipeline stocks are giving you such enticing dividends. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Mad Money Disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.